You're listening to the Bethel Community Church Podcast. Our podcast normally showcases our weekly sermons here in Chicago at 7601 West Foster. Now, podcasts are great, but they do not replace the care and community you receive from the local church or from your local pastor. So we encourage you to come, join our community, or contact us to help you find a community in your area. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you listen. Enjoy. So, um, about a month ago, Pastor Paul called me and asked if I would like to speak at Bethel again, and he said, there's going to be this series on the seven, the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, and he wanted to know if I would speak on I am the light of the world, Jesus claimed. I don't think that he knew exactly what he was getting into, because when you asked a poet to speak on a metaphor the wheels start turning. And my first thought was, I have a poem where Jesus and light go together. I bet I could use that. And my next thought was, wow, you know, a sermon usually has three points. What if I write more poetry and each point in my sermon has a spoken word poem that goes to it? But eventually that wasn't enough. And I got this crazy idea, what if I did an entire sermon of spoken word poetry. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Like, John, you can't do that. That goes against all the rules of sermoning. (laughs) But there's something else you need to know about poets. We have what's called a poetic license that lets us break rules and lets us invent new words like sermoning. (laughs) So I thought, what, what might that look like? And I realized this metaphor of light and, you know, Jesus and light, just all through Scripture. So I started working on, on this poem. Oh, and by the way, just before, humor me for a second. In the Bible, the book of Psalms, entirely made of poetry, right? It was the Israelites' worship hymnal. And we just sang a bunch. So entire book of the Bible made of poetry, but not just Psalms, Proverbs, right? It's an entire book of poetry to teach us how to live with godly wisdom, And then the big thing that got me was in the Old Testament, when God had an important message from his people, he inevitably would raise up a prophet, and that prophet often wrote poetry. Look at the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, most of the minor prophets. If entire books of the Bible could be made up of poetry, why not an entire sermon? And then I realized Jesus didn't sermon like we sermon. Again, it's, you know, a new word. I I just made it up. When Jesus taught, he would often tell stories. And he wouldn't always explain the stories. The classic example is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Somebody asked Jesus a question. First, it's like, What's the, what's the law, you know, love God, love your neighbor? So he says, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus didn't get into a three-point outline with some illustrations about who, you, who the neighbor is and how to love them. He just told a story. And at the end of the story, he didn't explain the, the story. He just turned around and asked a question and said, who was a neighbor to the guy in the story? It seems in Jesus' teaching, he liked to let his listeners have to dig a little bit and think for the deeper meanings. And you know, Scripture is like that. There's often a 
a superficial truth that's really important that hits you right away, but we know the longer you dig and the more you study, you just uncover buried treasure. And normally when we sermon, we have somebody that spends a bunch of time digging up treasure, and then they put it out on display, and they make it really easy for all of us. But I'm not exactly going to do that today. Um, Today, if you want the deeper treasure, you're going to have to dig for it a little bit. But we know this isn't how we normally do it, so we're making it easier for you. Um, You should have got a handout when you come in. Um, The handout has the questions for you to answer when you dig deeper. Now, this isn't like a normal outline where you just fill in the blanks. I'm not going to answer those questions. Um, But, and I would encourage you not to spend a lot of time during the message. There'll be a brief pause between the sections where I'll mention the question, and if you want to write something down, you can. But this is best done later. And the best way to do it later is to scan the QR code, which we will put up again after the service, which will allow you to download the entire transcript of the sermon with all 70 footnotes, which all have passages of Scripture where the story that I'm basing the poem on takes place or where the verse that I'm alluding to takes place. And so you can not just think about my poem, which might be a good poem, might be a bad poem, everybody's got an opinion, but you can do like the Bereans and check it against Scripture and say, you know, John might be confused, he might get it wrong, but the Bible is God's Word. So you can use those references to look and compare my poem and dig for deeper truths. The other thing you can do, Jesus would teach and he would tell a story and he wouldn't give an explanation, and then later his disciples might ask him and then he would explain some more. And after the message, if you want to ask somebody, you could ask me, you could ask uh, Pastor Mark, Pastor Paul, one of the elders, just somebody here that you know, that you respect, that you think might have uh, some wisdom, might be able to help you process some things. Now, don't ask me to just give you the answer. Don't ask them to just give you the answer. But it's always best, I think, to dig for scriptural truths in community. And so, and Bethel, by the way, has another amazing way of doing that. Every week, there are small groups that get together and discuss the sermon and discuss, answer questions from the sermon. They're going to have the sermon handout with these questions. And if you're already in a small group, make sure you get there and you can discuss it with the rest of the group in community. If you're not a part of a small group, now would be a real good time to go on the church app and find one that you could join. Or you can also get a hold of Mike Greenwood, who is our director of groups here at Bethel, and he will help you try to connect with a small group, and maybe even start some new ones, because it's always good to build community where people can engage the truth of God's Word together. So, um, make sure I cover everything I need to cover. Okay, because got to get this boring introduction stuff out of the way and then get to the poetry. Um, so, yeah, Mike at, I think it's Mike at BethelCommunity.org, or I'm sure you can get to him through the website of the church app if you need help finding um, a small group. Lastly, just a a bit of explanation. It was great to see the baby dedication and hear them say that they chose his name strategically because of its meaning. And in Scripture, that was a big deal. Names mattered. Sometimes we choose a name just because we like the sound. I'll be honest, by the time my wife and I got to our third and fourth, we already had the E thing going. And so we were looking for a name that started with E. You know, hardly profound. But in Scripture, God especially has names and the meaning matters. And when you're digging for the buried treasure, knowing the meaning of the name helps. And so there are three names that are mentioned in the poem. Yahweh, 
which means I am, Emmanuel, which means God with us, and Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name of Jesus, which means salvation. And whenever I use those names in the poem, I also include the meaning so that you can catch not only the name, but what it would have meant to the people that were hearing it. So um, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I've got a couple buddies who are going to come up and help me with the dialogue, because it's a group piece, because poets sometimes do that too. So if you guys want to come on up um, and get ready, let's pray. God, your Holy Spirit promises that when we engage your word, um, that when we ask, we'll receive, and when we seek, we'll find. And we just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would illuminate um, the truths in your word, um, illuminate the truths in Scripture that have made it into the poem, and uh, help us to see what you want us to see and to hear what you want us to hear. And uh, I pray that afterwards, we wouldn't just walk away and forget about it, but we would engage your word and what your word says about Jesus, the light of the world, who the darkness could not overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1. God is light. In him there is no darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the face of the earth. God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light and pronounced it good. God planted a garden, placed a man and a woman in it, image bearers, children of the light. God saw it, and it was good but it would not stay good. An angel of light fell into darkness. In the shape of a serpent, he whispered, Taste the stolen fruit. Savor its sweetness. Your eyes will surely see. The light will stream in. You will be like God. The first lie from the father of lies. With the first bite, their eyes were opened, but it was not light flooding in, but darkness a great darkness, a darkness bringing death. But God promised to conquer the darkness, defeat the fallen angel of light, and crush the serpent's head. For God is light. In him there is no darkness, and the light would not go out. Two, men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They saw that God saw the darkness in the hearts of man. Every inclination was wicked, every thought full of violence. He was deeply troubled. He gazed down into the darkness. He chose a faint glimmer of light, a single man, a solitary family, to ride out the storm sent to wash away the darkness. When the rain stopped and the sun appeared, there was a rainbow as a promise. God is light. In him there is no darkness, and the light would not go out. Three, again, darkness grew, creeping over the earth like a mist. But God is light. In him there is no darkness. He spoke to a childless man. Look at the stars in the sky, the light in the heavens. So shall your offspring be like the stars. They will be light of the world until the light of the world comes to bless the nations. That night, 
When the sun went down, a flaming torch split the darkness. The light of the world made a covenant with the first Jew. Darkness would cover the face of the earth, but God is light. In Him there is no darkness, and the light would not go out. So the first question in your notes, how did the serpent deceive the children of the light and convince them to embrace the darkness? How does he try to deceive you? Exodus 1. It was a dark time for the children of the light, enslaved with no glimmer of hope, when the light broke the darkness in a form of a bush, burning brightly yet not consumed. Calling the prophet, a voice warned, Bare your feet, the ground is holy. The prophet hid his face, afraid to look at the brilliant brightness. But the light had pierced the darkness to see the oppression and suffering of his people. The light would soon defeat the darkness, end their suffering, set them free. The prophet asked one question. Who are you? Tell me your name. The light answered from the bush. Yahweh, I am. That is my name forever. Yahweh, I am. That is my name. Call on me when you walk in darkness. Cry out to me when you have no hope. Two, crushing their oppressors, the light freed his people. Follow me, he said as he led them out of bondage. A cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, a lamp unto their feet, a light unto their path, hemming them in, a vanguard splitting the sea before them, a rear guard swallowing enemies behind them. Day and night they followed the light to a mountain in the desert. Lightning lit the sky. A voice thundered, Yahweh, I am, that is my name, follow me only. Yahweh, I am, that is my name, do not misuse it. The light gave them a lamp that shone brightly on their path, illuminating their choice. Walk in the light they would never stumble, but close their eyes, embrace the darkness, walk in blindness, they would fall hard question for the second section. In what ways did the light lead them through the desert? In what ways does the light lead you? The promised land. One, they followed the light to a land flowing with milk and honey, a promised inheritance where the light would shine on them forever. Twelve leaders were sent to explore it, saw the goodness of the land, the milk, the honey, but giants stood in the way. Clouding their vision, they turned from the light, refusing to follow, retreating to the darkness, returning to the desert. But God is light. In Him there is no darkness, and the light would not go out. Light led them like a shepherd, shining down on bread from heaven and living water from a rock. It showed the way, the way of truth, the way of life. Until once again, they reached the land of milk and honey. Once again, the light split the water before them, illuminating a path through the river. This time, they chose to walk in the light and receive the promise. Two, darkness crept over the earth, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They turned away from the light. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Like sheep, they went astray, leaving their good shepherd. They rejected the king of kings, asking for a lesser king. Their wish was granted. Darkness consumed them. 
until the land flowing with milk and honey flowed with blood. They were exiled from their home. The light departed, leaving them to the darkness they had embraced. But God is light. In Him there is no darkness, and the light would not go out. Next question. Why do you think people are prone to turn from the light and choose darkness? What are some large or small ways you have turned from the light and chosen darkness? The Psalms. But even as they wandered in darkness, they praised the light, reciting their poetry. Yahweh, I am. You are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You are the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Yahweh, I am. One thing I ask of you, may I dwell in your house and gaze on your beauty, beholding your light. Yahweh, I am. Hear my voice. Be merciful and answer. I remain confident. I will see your light. In the land of the living, I will be strong and take heart. I will wait for Yahweh, I am. For God is light. In him there is no darkness. And the light would not go out question. How do the poets praise the light of the world? What role does praise play in your life as you wrestle with darkness and light? The prophets. The light spoke through prophets, telling of a new dawn for those who walk in darkness. A light would shine, a child would be born, a son given. He would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He would banish the darkness by the power of Yahweh, I Am, who would take him by the hand and send him as a light to open blind eyes and set captives free. Of him the great Yahweh, I Am, spoke through his prophets. Is it too light a thing that my servant should save the children of the light? I will make you the light of the world. Your salvation shall reach the end of the earth. A day is coming when Yahweh, I am, will shine a light on you. His glory, the glory that he does not share, he will share with you. On that day, when darkness covers the earth, a thick and thick darkness blinds all people. Yahweh, I am, will arise upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. The nations will see the light, the light of the world. They will bask in your brightness. On that day, the sun will no longer light the day, nor will the moon shine at night. Yahweh, I am, will be the everlasting light, providing glorious illumination. Yahweh, I am, will be a sun that never sets, a moon that never wanes, an everlasting light, bringing an end to sorrow. But as the poets and prophets wrote of the great Yahweh, I am, they were filled with fear of misusing the name. No one dared speak it. No one dared let it cross their lips. No one dared risk the judgment of the light. Then the poets stopped writing. The prophets no longer spoke. Darkness obscured their vision. For centuries, the light was unseen. Its voice was unheard, its name unspoken. But God is light. In him there is no darkness, and the light would not 
go out. Question. How did the prophets describe the light of the world before he came? How would you describe him today? The Gospels. One. In the fullness of time, a star appeared, a light in the heavens. Beneath it, angels lit up the sky. Shepherds trembled. Wise men traveled to see the child who was born, the son who was given, the light dawning in the darkness, Emmanuel, God with us, Yeshua, salvation, the promise of Yahweh, I am. The child grew in stature and in favor with God and man until fully grown. He rose up from the water, heaven opened, a dove descended, a voice spoke, Yahweh, I am, announcing, This is the son I love. Dawn broke. Those living in darkness in the land of the shadow of death could finally see the light. Two, on the last day of the feast, at a ceremony, remembering Yahweh, I am, bringing water from a rock in the desert, the sun cried out, Let the thirsty come to me. Believe in me. Living water will flow from your dry souls. Some thought him a prophet. Some, the prophesied servant of the great Yahweh I am. Others doubted. But no one laid a hand on him, for his time had not yet come. That evening, as night fell and darkness covered the city, enormous golden lamps were lit, illuminating the temple, visible throughout the city, a reminder of the pillar of fire, the light of Yahweh I am, which led them through the desert. Music played, men danced, until the sun cried out, speaking the name. The name they dared not speak. Yahweh, I am the light of the world. Follow me. You will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The music ceased. The dancing stopped. Blasphemy. The sun was misusing the name, claiming to be the light of the world, claiming to be the pillar of fire, claiming to be the prophesied servant, claiming to be Yahweh, I am. Who is this, they wondered. Only a son of darkness would dare. Such claims require witnesses. You only speak for yourself. You prove nothing. My father is my witness. Where is your father? You do not know my father. You only listen to your father. We are Jews, sons of God. You are a son of darkness. I am not a son of darkness. I honor my father. You dishonor me. Follow me. You will never face death. They grew angry. Our forefather died. You say you subdue death? Are you superior to our forefather? You are a son of darkness. He stood calmly. Before your forefather, Yahweh. I am. They could stand no more. They picked up stones to stone him, but the light of the world blinded their eyes and slipped away. No one laid a hand on him, for his time had not yet come. Three, the light of the world continued to shine. As long as I am in the world, Yahweh, I am the light of the world. I came to open blind eyes and blind those who refused to see. 
When two or three are gathered, reflecting the light, walking in the light, following the light, the light will be with them. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, built on a rock, shining light into the darkest places, overcoming the gates of hell. Walk in the light while you have the light, so you may be children of the light before darkness comes. For in a little while you will mourn when the sons of darkness put out the light. Then after three days it will shine again, illuminating you with joy. I have told you these things so you may have peace. Darkness covers the face of the earth, but take heart, the light will overcome the darkness. Four, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The light of the world in a garden betrayed by a kiss. Whom do you seek? Yeshua, salvation from Nazareth. Yahweh, I am. They fell to their faces. Whom do you seek? Yeshua, salvation from Nazareth. I told you, Yahweh, I am. And they arrested him, for his time had come. Five. The light of the world, weighed down by the darkness of the world, was dragged to the top of a hill and smothered by the sons of darkness. Its flame flickered and dimmed until the light of the world cried out, It is finished. And the sun that had been lit by his command heard him speak and grew dark. Darkness fell over the earth as the light of the world went out. Placed in a rich man's tomb, shrouded in darkness, the darkness of death. But God is light. In him there is no darkness. And the light of the world would not stay out. On the third day when the sun rose, the light of the world shone again. Having conquered the darkness, having defeated death, it shone ever brighter. Six. On a mountaintop, the light of the world met the children of the light. You are my witnesses. I will send you the promise. Remain in the city until you are clothed with light. All authority is mine. Take the light of the world to all the world, teaching them to follow the light. And the light of the world will shine on you forever. Then the sun rose into the heavens. The light of the world disappeared into the clouds. As they gazed upwards, messengers appeared. Don't keep looking at the sky. The light that has left will one day return. Darkness enshrouded the earth. But the children of the light returned to the city with great joy to await the light. For God is light. In him there is no darkness. And the light of the world would not go out. Question. Who is the light of the world, how did he conquer the darkness? Acts. When the feast arrived, the world gathered in the city, celebrating the light on the mountain that gave the lamp. The children of the lamp gathered to worship the light. The wind blew, the house shook, the light descended. Tongues of fire fell on them, but like the bush, they were not consumed. They opened their mouths. Light poured forth, the light of the world, 
the light through whom all things were made, the light that brought life for all mankind, the light they had seen with their own eyes, which they had looked at and their hands had touched, the light that darkness could not overcome, the light that was and then was no more and then was again, Yeshua, salvation, the light of Yahweh, I am. They called out, follow the light, walk in the light, reflect the light. People from every nation saw the light, became children of the light, took the light of the world into all the world, blameless and innocent, shining like stars in a crooked and twisted generation. But darkness continued to envelop the earth, a darkness bringing death, enticing the children of the light to embrace the darkness, leading them like sheep from their good shepherd to follow the prince of darkness, the fallen angel of light. Many turned from the light, building kingdoms of darkness, doing what was right in their own eyes, waging war in the name of the prince of peace. But the gates of hell could not prevail. There was always a spark, a glimmer of light, shining in the darkest places, because God is light. In him there is no darkness, and the light of the world would not go out. Question, why does it often appear that the darkness is winning? How should we respond when the light seems dim? Today, today darkness covers the face of the earth. The prince of darkness, the fallen angel of light, the father of lies, still roams about as a roaring lion seeking to devour, still whispering lies. Taste the stolen fruit, savor its sweetness. Your eyes will surely see, the light will stream in, you will be like God. Deceiving all who will listen, Deluding them with darkness, drawing them towards the eternal abyss where there is no light. But God is light. In him there is no darkness. And the light continues to shine today. If we walk in the darkness, denying our sin, we deceive ourselves. But when we walk in the light, allowing it to illuminate our lives and reveal the dark places where our brokenness hides, we can reject the darkness and be cleansed. Today, walking in the light, we do not lose heart. As the light shines through us, illuminating the way for those in bondage to darkness, deceived by the fallen angel of light. Today, we have no light of our own, but we are the light of the world as we reflect the light of the world. We carry the light in broken jars of clay. It shines through the cracks, revealing beauty from our ashes, renewing us day by day, readying us for an unseen eternal kingdom. We walk in the light, waiting for the return of the light, when the sun will shine in the eastern sky, riding a white horse with fire in his eyes and crowns on his head. When the King of kings and Lord of lords, Yahweh, I am, fulfills his promise, defeating the prince of darkness, 
conquering the fallen angel of light, crushing the serpent's head, casting him into outer darkness where no light will ever shine. When Yahweh, I am, returns for his children to take them home, darkness will no longer cover the earth, nor the hearts of men. The sun will no longer light the day, nor will the moon shine at night. Yahweh, I am, will be the glorious, everlasting light of the world, providing illumination. Yahweh, I am, will be a sun that never sets, a moon that never wanes, bringing an end to sorrow. Yahweh, I am, will wipe the tears from their eyes, bringing an end to death, mourning, crying, and pain. Vanquishing the darkness, making all things new. As it was in the beginning, so it evermore shall be good. As the children of the light bask forever in the glorious light of Yahweh, I am the everlasting light of the world. Final question. What areas of your light Have you tried to hide from the light? What happens when you let the light illuminate your darkness? Let's pray. God, thank you that before you created the world, you made a plan for the light to conquer the darkness. You made a plan that would allow us to be restored and reconciled and to live forever basking in your light. Thank you that Christ came and lived and died and rose again and the gates of hell will not prevail against the light of the world. May we live in that truth. Amen.